Hi guys, Kev from Nonsa Audio Pod here. Just like to wish you a Merry Christmas and a great new year and new content's coming in January. And just like to say thank you to all the subscribers and followers. And don't forget we're on all the major platforms now, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, Spreaker Radio, Castbox. And I'll let you get back to your audiobooks and enjoy. Bye for now. The Famous Five Five Go to Billycock Hill by Enid Blyton Read by Jan Francis Chapter One A Week's Holiday Where's the map? said Julian. Is that it, George? Good. Now, where shall we spread it? On the floor, said Anne. A map is always easiest to read on the floor. I'll push the table out of the way. Well, be careful, for goodness sake, said George. Father's in his study. And you know what happened before, when someone pushed the table right over? Everyone laughed. George's father so often came pouncing out of his study if any sudden noise was made when he was working. The table was pushed out of the way, and the big map unfolded and spread out over the floor. Timmy was surprised to see the four children kneeling down around it and barked imagining this was some kind of new game. "'Be quiet, Timmy,' said Dick. "'You've got into trouble once this morning already for making a row. "'And stop brushing my face with your tail.' Woof, said Timmy, and lay down heavily on the map. "'Get up, idiot,' said Dick. "'Don't you know we're in a hurry? "'We want to trace our route to Billycock Hill.' "'Billycock Hill?' What a lovely name, said Anne. Is that where we're going? Yes, said Julian, poring over the map. It's near some caves we want to see. And there's a butterfly farm not far off, and... A butterfly farm, said George, surprised. Whatever's that? Just what it sounds like, said Dick. A farm for butterflies. Toby, a friend of ours at school, told me about it. He lives quite near it, and he says it's a most interesting place. They breed butterflies, and moths too, from eggs, and sell them to collectors. Do they really? said Anne. Well, I must say, I used to enjoy keeping caterpillars and seeing what they turned into. It was like magic to see a lovely butterfly or moth creep out of the chrysalis. But a farm for them? Can we really go and see it? Oh, yes. Toby says the men who run it are very happy to show anyone around, said Julian. Apparently, Billycock Hill is a good place for rare butterflies, too. That's why they've got their farm there. They rush about with nets half the time, and at night they go moth hunting. It sounds exciting, said Dick. Well, what with caves to see, and a butterfly farm, and Toby to visit, and... And just five together again on a sunny week's holiday, said George giving Timmy a sudden thump of joy. Hurrah for Whitson! And thank goodness our two schools had a week's holiday at the same time. The four cousins sprawled on the floor, looking with great interest at the map, following out a route with their fingers. As they traced out the way, 
there came an angry noise from the study where George's father was at work. Who's been tidying my desk? Where are those papers I left here? Fanny, Fanny, come here. He wants mother. I'll get her, said George. No, I can't. She's gone shopping. Why can't people leave my papers alone? Came her father's voice again. Fanny, Fanny. Then the study door was flung open, and Mr. Kirin came striding out, muttering to himself. He didn't see the four children on the floor and fell right over them. Timmy barked in delight and leapt at him, thinking that for once George's father was actually having a game with them. Oh," said George, as her father's hand came over her face. "Don't! What are you doing, father?" Uncle Quentin, sorry you fell over us," said Julian.、Ah, "Shut up, Timmy. This isn't a game." He helped his uncle up and waited for the explosion. His uncle brushed himself down and glared at Julian. "Have you got to lie on the floor? Get down, will you, Timmy? Where's your mother, George? Oh, get up for goodness' sake! Where's Joanna? If she's been tidying my desk again, I'll give her her notice." Joanna, the cook, appeared at the doorway, wiping her floury hands on her apron. "Whatever's all this noise about?" she began. Oh, sorry, I didn't know it was you. I, Joanna, have you been tidying my desk again? Barked George's father. No. Have you lost something? Never you mind. I'll come along and find it. Said Joanna, who was used to Mr. Kirin's ways. Pick up that map, you four, and put the table back.、Oh, stop barking, Timmy. George, take him out for goodness' sake, or your father will go mad. He's only excited because we're all together again," said George, and took Timmy into the garden. The others followed, Julian folding up the map, grinning. "We ought to put Uncle Quentin into a play," said Dick. "He'd bring the house down." "Well, do we know the way, Julian? And when do we start?" "Here's Mother," said George, as someone came to the front gate with a basket. Julian ran to open it. He was very fond of his kindly, pleasant-faced aunt. She smiled round at them all. Well, have you decided where to go and what to take with you? You'll be able to camp out this beautiful weather. What a lovely Whitson it's going to be! Yes," said Julian, taking his aunt's basket from her and carrying it indoors. We're going to Billycock Hill, and as our friend Toby lives at the bottom of it at Billycock Farm. He's going to lend us all the camping gear we need, so we shan't need to load our bikes with tents and mattresses and things," said Dick. "Oh, good," said his aunt. "What about food? You can get it at Toby's farm, I suppose." "You bet. We shan't eat there, of course," said Julian. "But we shall buy any eggs or milk or bread we need, and Toby says the strawberries are already ripening." Aunt Fanny smiled. Well, I needn't worry about your meals then, and you'll have Timmy with you too. He'll look after you all, won't you, Timmy? You won't let them get into any trouble, will you? Woof," said Timmy in his deepest voice, and wagged his tail. Woof. Good old Tim," said George, patting him. "If it wasn't for you, we'd never be allowed to go off so much on our own. I bet." Uncle Quentin's a bit on the warpath, Aunt Fanny," said Dick. He wants to know who's been tidying his desk. 
he came rushing out of the study, didn't see us lying on the floor round our map, and fell right over us. Oh, dear, I'd better go and find out what papers he's lost now, said his aunt. I expect he forgot that he had a tidying fit last night and tidied his desk himself. He's probably put a lot of his most precious papers into the waste paper basket. Everyone laughed as Mrs. Kirin hurried into the study. Well, let's get ready, said Julian. We won't need to take much as old Toby's going to help us. Anoraks, of course, and don't forget yours, Timmy. And sweaters. And one or two maps. And torches, said Anne, because we want to explore those caves. Oh, and let's take our swimsuits in case we find somewhere to bathe. It's warm enough. And candles and matches, said George, slapping the pocket of her jeans. I've got those. I got Joanna to give me three boxes. And let's take some sweets. Yes, that tin of humbugs, said Julian. And I vote we take our little portable radio. Oh, yes, that's a good idea, said Anne, pleased. We can hear our favourite programmes, then, and the news. I don't suppose we shall be able to buy newspapers. I'll get out the bikes from the shed, said Julian. Dick, get the sandwiches from Joanna. She said she'd make us some because we shan't get to Toby's farm till after our dinner time, and I bet we'll be hungry. Woof, said Timmy, who knew that word very well. <laughs> he says, remember biscuits for him, said Anne with a laugh. I'll go and get some now, Tim, though I expect you can share meals with the dogs at Billycock Farm. Joanna had two large packets of sandwiches and cake ready for them, and two bottles of orangeade. There you are, she said, handing them over. And if you get through all those, you'll no longer feel hungry. And here are Timmy's biscuits and a bone. <laughs> You're a star, Joanna, said Dick, and put his arm round her to give her one of the sudden hugs she liked. Well, you'll soon be rid of us. A whole week at Whitson. Isn't that luck? And with such glorious weather, too. Bark up, called Julian. I've got the bikes, and no one's had a puncture for a change. Bring my anorak, Dick. In three minutes, everything was packed into the bicycle carriers. Timmy made sure that his biscuits and bone were packed by sniffing at each pack until he came to the smell he was hoping for. Then he wagged his tail and bounded round excitedly. The five were together again, and who knew what might happen? Timmy was ready for anything. Goodbye, dears, said Mrs. Kirin, standing at the gate to see them go. Julian, take care of the girls. And Tim... Take care of everyone. Uncle Quentin suddenly appeared at the window. What's all the noise about? He began impatiently. Oh, they're off at last, are they? Now we'll have a little peace and quiet. Goodbye, and behave yourselves. Grown-ups always say that, said Anne, as the five set off happily, ringing their bells in farewell. Hurrah! We're off on our own again. Yes, you too, Timmy. What fun! Chapter 2 Off to Billycock Hill The sun shone down hotly as the five sped down the sandy road that ran alongside Kirin Bay. 
Timmy loped easily beside them, his tongue hanging out quite a long way. Anne always said that he had the longest tongue of any dog she had ever known. The sea was as blue as forget-me-nots as they cycled along beside it. Across the bay, they could see little Kirin Island, with Kirin Castle towering up. "'Doesn't it look fine?' said Dick. "'I half wish we were going to spend Whitson at Kirin Cottage, and were going bathing and rowing across to George's little island over there.' "'We can do that in the summer holes,' said Julian. It's fun to explore other parts of the country when we can. Toby says the caves in Billicock Hill are marvellous. What's Toby like? asked George. We've never seen him, Anne and I. He's a bit of a joker, said Dick. Likes to put caterpillars down people's necks and so on. And beware if he has a magnificent rose in his buttonhole and asks you to smell it. Why? asked Anne, surprised. "'Because when you bend down to smell it, you'll get a squirt of water in your face,' said Dick. "'It's a trick, Rose.' "'I don't think I'm going to like him much,' said George, who didn't take kindly to tricks of this sort. "'I'll probably bash him on the head if he does things like that to me.' "'That won't be any good,' said Dick cheerfully. "'He won't bash you back. He'll just think up some worse trick.' Oh, "'Don't scowl, George. We're on holiday.' Toby's all right. A bit of an ass, that's all. They had now left Kirin Bay behind and were cycling down a country lane set with hawthorn hedges each side. The May was over now and the first wild roses were showing pink here and there. A little breeze got up and was very welcome indeed. We'll have an ice when we come to a village, said Julian, after they had cycled about six miles. Two ices? said Anne. Oh, dear, this hill. What a steep one we've come to. I don't know whether it's worse to ride up slowly and painfully or to get off and push my bike to the top. Timmy tore up to the top in front of them and then sat down to wait in the cool breeze there, his tongue hanging out longer than ever. Julian came to the top first and looked down the other side. There's a village there, he said, right at the bottom. Let's see. Yes, it's Tenick Village. We'll stop and ask if it sells ices. It did, of course. Strawberry and vanilla. The four children sat on a seat under a tree outside the small village shop and dug little wooden spoons into ice tubs. Timmy sat nearby, watching hopefully. He knew that at least he would be able to lick out the empty tubs. Oh, Tim, I didn't mean to buy you one, because you really are a bit fat, said George, looking at the beseeching brown eyes fixed on her ice cream. But as you'll probably get very thin running so far while we're cycling, I'll buy you a whole one for yourself. Woof, said Timmy, bounding into the little shop at once and putting his great paws up on the counter, much to the surprise of the woman behind it. It's a waste, really, giving Timmy an ice, said Anne, when George and the dog came out. He just loosens it with his tongue and gulps it down. I sometimes wonder he doesn't chew up the cardboard tub, too. After ten minutes' rest, they all set off again, feeling nice and cool inside. It really was lovely cycling through the June countryside. The trees were so fresh and green still, and the fields they passed were golden with buttercups 
thousands and thousands of them, nodding their polished heads in the wind. There was very little traffic on these deserted country roads, an occasional farm cart and sometimes a car, but little else. The five kept to the lanes as much as they could, for they all preferred their quaint winding curves, set with hedges of all kinds, to the wide, dusty main roads, straight and uninteresting. We ought to get to Billicock Farm about four o'clock, said Dick, or maybe sooner. What time do we have our lunch, Julian, and where? We'll find a good place about one o'clock, said Julian, and not a minute before. So it's no good anyone saying they're hungry yet. It's only twelve. I'm more thirsty than hungry, said Anne, and I'm sure old Timmy must be dying of thirst. Let's stop at the next stream so that he can have a drink. There's one, said Dick, pointing to where a stream wound across a nearby field. Hey, Tin, go and have a drink, old fellow. Timmy shot through the hedge to the stream and began to lap. The others dismounted and stood waiting. Anne picked a spray of honeysuckle and put it through a buttonhole of her blouse. Now I can sniff it all the time, she said. Delicious. Hey, Tin, leave some water for the fishes, shouted Dick. George, stop him drinking any more. He's swelling up like a balloon. He's not, said George. Timmy, that's enough. Here, boy, here. Timmy took one last lap and then raced over to George. He pranced round her, barking joyfully. There, he feels much better now, said George. And away they all went again, groaning as they cycled slowly up the many hills in that part of the country, and shouting with delight as they sped furiously down the other side. Julian had decided where to have their midday meal, on the top of a high hill. Then they could see all the country for miles around, and there would also be a nice cooling breeze. Cheer up, he said, as they came to the steepest hill they had so far encountered. We'll have our lunch at the top of this hill, and a good long rest. Thank goodness, panted Anne. We'll be as stiff as anything tomorrow. It really was lovely at the top of the hill. It was so high that they could see the countryside spreading for miles and miles around them. You can see five counties from here, said Julian. But don't ask me which. I've forgotten. Let's lie in this heather and have a bit of a rest before we have our lunch. It was soft and comfortable lying in the springy heather, but Timmy did not approve of a rest before lunch. He wanted his bone. He went to where George had put her bicycle down and sniffed in her carrier. Yes, his bone was most certainly there. He glanced round to make sure that everyone was resting and nobody watching him. Then he began to nuzzle a paper parcel. Anne was lying nearest to him, and she heard the crackling of the paper and sat up. Timmy, she said, shocked. Oh, Timmy, fancy helping yourself to our sandwiches. George sat up at once, and Timmy put his tail down, still wagging it a little, as if to say, Sorry, but after all, it is my bone. Oh, he just wants his bone, said George. He's not after our sandwiches. As if he would take the man. You might have known he wouldn't. I feel rather like having mine now, said Anne. 
Julian, can't we have some? And I do really want a drink. The idea of a drink made everyone long to begin lunch, and soon they were unwrapping ham and tomato sandwiches and enormous slices of Joanna's fruitcake. Julian found the little cardboard drinking cups and poured out the orangeade carefully. Mmm, this is fine," said Dick, munching his sandwiches and gazing out over the rolling countryside, with its moorlands, its stretches of farmland with the fields of green corn, and its sloping hills. Look, see that hill far away in the distance, Julian, over there. Would that be Billycock Hill? Do you think? It's rather a funny shape. I'll look through my field glasses," said Julian, and took them from their leather case. He put them to his eyes and stared hard at the faraway hill that lay to the north of them. Yes, I think it probably is Billycock Hill," he said. "It's got such an odd-shaped top. It looks a bit like an old Billycock hat." He handed the glasses round, and everyone looked at the far-off hill. George put the glasses to Timmy's eyes. "There you are," she said. "Have a squint, Timmy." Julian. It doesn't look so very far away. It's not, as the crow flies," said Julian, taking back his glasses and surveying the countryside around them again. But it's a long, long way through those hundreds of little winding lanes. Any more sandwiches, anyone? There aren't any more left," said Dick, "or fruitcake either. Have a humbug if you're still hungry." The humbugs were passed round, and Timmy waited hopefully for his turn. George gave him one. Not that it's much use to you," she said. "You just swallow it without even one suck." "We'll rest for half an hour more," said Julian. "Gosh, I do feel sleepy." They all snuggled down into the soft clumps of heather, and soon they were asleep in the warm sun. Even Timmy snoozed, with one ear half up, just in case someone came by, but nobody did. In fact, it was so very quiet on the top of the hill that three quarters of an hour went by before anyone awoke. Anne felt something crawling up her arm and woke with a jump. "Ugh, a big beetle!" she said and shook it off. She glanced at her watch. "Dick, Jew, wake up! We must get on, or we'll never be there by tea time." Soon they were once more on their way. Tearing down the hill at top speed, shouting as they went, with Timmy barking madly beside them. Really, the start of a holiday was the happiest thing in the world. Chapter Three, Billycock Farm. The five certainly cycled fast that afternoon, and would have arrived at Billycock Hill even sooner than they did if it hadn't been for Timmy. He panted so much in the heat that they stopped for brief rests every fifteen minutes. It's a pity he's so big and heavy," said Anne. "If he had been a small dog, we could have taken turns at carrying him on our bikes." Billycock Hill was soon very near. It certainly was a strange shape, very like an old-fashioned hat. It was partly heather-clad and partly sloping meadowland. Cows grazed in the meadows, and farther up the hill, where there was shorter, wiry grass, the farmer had put a good many sheep. 
nestling down at the foot of the hill, was a rambling old farm building, with outhouses and stables, and a big greenhouse. That must be Billycock Farm, said Julian. Well, we've made very good time, you know. It's only half past three. Let's wash our faces in that stream over there. We all look rather hot and dirty. Timmy, you can have a bathe if you want to. The water was cool and silky to the touch, and the children splashed it over their faces and necks, wishing they could do as Timmy was doing, lying down in the stream and letting the water flow over him. Oh, that's better, said Dick, mopping his face with an enormous handkerchief. Now, let's go and present ourselves at Billycock Farm. I hope Toby's remembered that we're coming. He promised to lend us all we wanted for camping out. They combed their hair, brushed down their clothes with their hands, and then, feeling more respectable, made their way across a field path to a farm gate. The field was bumpy, so they rode slowly. Soon they were in a big farmyard, with hens pecking around them and ducks swimming on a round duck pond. Farm dogs began barking from somewhere, and then something ran round the corner of the old house, something very small and pink. Whatever is it? said Anne. Oh, it's a pigling. What a pet. Oh, it's come right up to us. Little pigling, have you escaped from your sty? How clean you are. The tiny pig gave funny little squeals and ran up to Timmy, who sat back on his haunches in surprise, staring at this unexpected little creature. He thought it must be some sort of dog without any hair. The pigling butted Timmy gently, and Timmy retreated backwards. Julian laughed. <laughs> Tim can't make it out, he said. Oh, don't growl, Timmy. It's quite harmless. Hello, who's this? said Dick, as a small figure came round the house. It stopped when it saw the five. What a dear little boy, said Anne. Is he Toby's brother? The child didn't look more than five years old. He had a head of bright yellow curls, big brown eyes, and a grin just like his big brother's. That's my pig, he said, coming slowly towards them. He ran away from me. Anne laughed. What's your pig's name? she said. Curly, said the small boy, and pointed at the pigling's tail. He's got a curly tail. It won't go straight. It's a nice tail, said Anne. The pigling ran to the small boy, and he grabbed it by its tail. You run away again, he said. Then he picked up the pig and walked off. Hey, is this Billycock Farm? called Julian. Have you got a brother called Toby? Toby? Yes, Toby's... Over there, said the boy, and he pointed to a big barn. Toby's ratting with Binky. Right, said Julian. The little boy disappeared with his funny pet, and Julian laughed. <laughs> He's rather a pet himself, he said. Come on, let's go and find Toby and Binky. Perhaps Binky is another brother. Or a dog, said George, and put her hand on Timmy's collar. Better be careful. He might go for Tim. Yes, Binky might be a dog, of course. Probably a good ratter, said Julian. Dick and I will go to the barn, and you two girls stay here with Timmy. 
they went off to the barn. A great noise came from inside as the two boys approached. Shouts and barks, and the rap of a stick came to their ears. Get him, Binky! Look, he went under that sack! Oh, you fathead, you've lost him again! Woof, woof, woof! More yells. In great curiosity, Julian and Dick peered into the rather dark old barn. They saw Toby there, prodding under sacks, with a most excited collie beside him, barking incessantly. Hey, Toby! yelled Julian, and Toby stood up and turned a red and perspiring face towards the two boys. Oh, you've arrived, he said, going quickly to the door. I thought you were never coming. Glad to see you. But are there only two of you? I got out tents and things for four. There are four of us. Five, counting Timmy, said Julian. We've left the two girls over there with him. He's our dog. Will yours be friendly or not? Oh, yes, so long as I introduce them, said Toby, and they all went out of the barn. As soon as Binky, Toby's dog, saw Timmy, he stood still made himself stiff and growled, while the hackles on his neck slowly rose up. "'It's all right!' shouted Toby to the girls. "'Bring your dog here! He'll be all right with Binky in half a minute!' Rather doubtfully, George brought Timmy across. Timmy was a bit doubtful himself of this big collie. Toby bent down and spoke into Binky's ear. "'Binky, shake paws with this nice girl. She's a friend.' He nodded at George. Hold out your hand, he said. George bent down to the collie and held out her hand. At once, the dog put up his paw and allowed her to shake it solemnly. Now you, said Toby to Anne, and she did the same. She liked this dog, Binky, with his bright brown eyes and long, sleek nose. Does your dog shake hands too? asked Toby. George nodded. He does? Right. Tell him to shake paws with Binky. Binky, shake. Timmy, shake, commanded George. And very politely and solemnly, the two dogs shook paws, eyeing each other cautiously. Timmy gave a sudden little whine, and then the two were tearing round the yard together, barking furiously, chasing one another, rolling over, and having a wonderful game. That's all right, then, said Toby, pleased. Binky's quite all right with anyone, human or animal, so long as he can shake hands with them. I Hi, guys, Kevin again. If you'd like to support the show, can you please like and subscribe and share with friends and family? It will help a lot with the ratings. And now back to the show. Bye for now.